0: Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica.
1: Good morning, coming up on the program today, I will sit down with Dr. Roger Blackwell, who is an author and a former professor of The Ohio State University. Dr. Blackwell will talk about his new book, You Are Not Alone, along with some lessons that you can learn from this former professor. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. Hi, I'm Connie Britton. I support Feeding America because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I am joined by Dr. Roger Blackwell. Now, he is an author, and his newest book is titled You Are Not Alone. A couple other interesting facts about him. He studied at Northwest Missouri State and the University of Missouri. Then he received his PhD from Northwestern University before becoming a professor at The Ohio State University in the Fisher College of Business and the College of Medicine. Now, his over- 65,000 students over 40 years at the Ohio State is believed to be more than any other U.S. professor and he taught courses such as marketing and consumer behavior along with uh, black business studies and quantitative research. Dr. Blackwell thank you so much for joining us this morning.
0: Thank you I'm Glad to be with you
1: you know you're you sound like such an accomplished person and you really are, and you even have a very interesting life story so before we start talking about your works and your book let's start at the very beginning. Tell us about yourself
0: Well, I uh, grew up in the Ozarks of Missouri and on a farm, and that's where I learned a lot of lessons that I include in the book, like one of the lessons growing up on a farm is that uh, The only people who don't work on a farm are those who don't want to eat. Uh, Child labor laws don't uh, uh, apply on the farm for farm kids. But I was fortunate to get an education without costing my parents anything, and I didn't have any debt when I got out. And that's one of the lessons in the book is if you're a parent, how do you provide an education for your kids without costing a lot of money? And there are lots of affordable places You don't have to go someplace expensive to get an education. They use the same textbooks at South Dakota universities that they use at Harvard. And uh, that's one of the kind of things I wanted to tell people is if you teach your kids how to be prosperous when they're children, they will be prosperous when they're adults.
1: You kind of sounded like when you were growing up, some someone like me being a, at a young age because I was very determined and just very willing to succeed, succeed at anything in life and that's what this book kind of talks about so among the lessons you learned at a very early age on how to get an education while working part or full time and even how to buy a, and rent a property at the age 16 and use it to finance graduate education so besides all that all that included in your new book. What what else is in there? What other lessons can people learn from You Are Not Alone?
0: Well, there are 10 rules. I call them Roger's Rules. And they're on my website, so people don't have to buy the book to learn those rules. But in the book, you see how I developed them. Um, for example, frugality is one of them. Um, save for a rainy day, because there will always be rainy days, whether we call it a pandemic or whether it happens for other reasons. And so one of the things that I learned is that uh, God goes with you if you get to know God. And not everybody does. Uh, and, and I explained how I became evolved from atheist to Christian in uh, a process that is kind of out of the ordinary, in that uh, I studied Bayesian statistics and the probability that the Earth was created by God, or Creator rather than creating itself. And um, that was when I was a graduate student at Northwestern. And I was very fortunate that when I got from Northwestern, I went to Ohio State, where I stayed for 40 years, taught 1,000 students per quarter in quite a few years. And that's how I got 65,000 students. I was also involved in a lot of other business things outside the university, and that led to some um, serious issues in the future. Not everybody spends 40 years teaching all over the world, 39 countries, six continents in my case, and, and accumulating a lot of financial success and then goes to prison. And that's what I talk about in the book. How did that happen? Um, and then I also give the ten rules, Rogers' rules, that I learned over the years that I think will be helpful to people, including people who have kids, Um, And I don't suggest that my rules should be other people's, but I suggest that everybody develop the kinds of behavioral norms that they expect for their family. And that's what Roger's Rules are, which are in the book.
1: Even before you created Roger's Rules and just your success, something happened around your birth that proved to be a miracle and kind of... I think I'm right in saying this kind of led the, the way for the rest of your life and how determined you are.
0: Well, that's right. Uh, I call the first chapter Miracle Child because that's what my mother always called me because I was born dead, what's called a stillborn baby. Uh, my parents had no money. My dad was making $40 a month, and somehow he had managed to take $20 aside to pay for my birth at home. Except the problem is I didn't come out. And the doctor used forceps and pulled, uh, my dad later said, my face was all cut up with the forceps and so forth. And my dad has told this story many times. The doctor threw the forceps on the floor and said, if we don't get this woman to the hospital, she'll die. And so they went to the only hospital in the County, 20 miles away and did a C-section and took me out. And I was stillborn and they set me up on a shelf dead. Um, with no oxygen for 45 minutes, this little tiny hospital uh, in in the Ozarks of Missouri. And after 45 minutes, my dad and my grandmother, who were in the operating room, thought they saw a movement. My dad picked me up, and my grandmother started caressing my back, kind of primitive CPR, I guess, Um, and I took a breath. And then the doctor later, after I was starting breathing again, he told my dad that was a mistake. You'll be so brain damaged, you should have never done that. Um, And, well, a lot of people might call me brain damaged, but I did manage to get a Ph.D. and a few other things, write 40 books and stuff. Um, That's a miracle. I believe there was someone in that, besides the doctor and my grandmother and father, in that operating room, and I I capitalize someone. The S is capital because I believe God had a plan for me that um, I certainly didn't know about, and it took me a lot of years before I really figured out what he wanted me to do. I intended to be a dentist, and I ended up being a professor instead, because you had to actually carve out something from a bar of soap, and the admissions director from the dental school told me to do that. Well, I didn't have anything but a pile of soap chips, and she said... (laughs) Maybe you should choose a profession that uses your cognitive skills better than physical dexterity. Uh, And and I believe God had a plan for me. Uh, He doesn't always show us that plan. Uh, We have to kind of discover it as we go. And if we don't say yes to God along the way, we never discover that plan. And that's one of my Rogers rules, is successful people are derived from finding out what God wants you to do and then doing it. Um, And I explain how that happened in my life and and encourage other people to think about that in their own life.
1: I got to say, not only does your story inspire me and stood out to me, but also being a very, very successful professor at the Ohio State University. I have to confess my family loves Ohio. My twin sister is a huge Buckeyes fan. And it's because we always used to visit Columbus and go to Twinsburg, Ohio for the big Twins Day festivals. And you currently mm-hmm. live in Ohio yourself. So I got to say, my sister would be really jealous right now that I'm talking to someone that used to be at Ohio State.
0: <laughs> well, you'll have to get a copy of the book for her because it talks about Ohio State a lot in there. And uh, we didn't well, high state didn't win the championship this year. But I know. Came close, Joy.
1: It, it was pretty close. Closest that I've seen them doing a in a few years, actually. If you are just joining us, Dr. Roger Blackwell, he is the author of the new book "You Are Not Alone," and that's what we are talking about. So, you, like you said, you've had a lot of success in your life, and you did write before "You Are Not Alone." Thirty-nine books were about business and economics, and you also yep. hinted at something that happened in your life that didn't go as planned. I believe you said you had a stint in prison. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Well, yes. One of the things that I did, because of some of the successful books, my my textbook on consumer behavior, in which I was just a contributor, there were three of us who wrote the first textbook in consumer behavior, which is in about a dozen languages and used all over the world. And because of that, companies... Asked me to be on their board of directors, which I I did. Uh, Fourteen public boards actually, and uh, one of those was a, a healthy foods company called Worthington Foods. And in 1999, dot com stocks were soaring, but traditional firms like Worthington Foods were not. Now Kellogg wanted to buy our firm, and. In 1999, firms like ours, the stock price dropped, and thousands of people bought the stock because of that, but they were people mainly who already knew about Worthington Foods, and because it was, it paid a good dividend, it had been business a long time, one of the people who bought it was someone who worked for me, and she and her husband bought stock at the same time we were talking to Kellogg. Now, I didn't tell him anything about it, and she didn't have any information for me that we were going to sell it or anything. But like 6,000 other people, she bought stock. They'd been buying it for five years, but the prosecutor argued, well, to the jury, don't you think that if you worked for him, he would have told you? There was no evidence that I did because I didn't tell her. But nevertheless, she went to prison for 27 months, her husband 24 months, and I went to prison for 72 months. And uh, that was a different experience. One year I was living in a very nice home, in a wonderful king-size bed, and the next year I was sleeping on a steel plate with a little cotton pad up on it that they call a mattress. And uh, prison food is not what I was used to, nor was the job that I had the same exactly, because I'm a teacher. That's what I am. Ninety yeah. <laughs> times out of a hundred. Uh, You don't get to be a teacher. Then I was very, like I said, probably more uh, uh, students than any other college professor. But in here's the thing that caused me to be a teacher. Now, when you go to prison, you have to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people probably think, oh, they just sit around and read or something, watch TV. No, they don't. Every prisoner in a federal prison has a job. And normally I would have been assigned to AM food service means you get up at 4.30 in the morning and cook and scrub and all that sort of thing. Not exactly what a professor wants to do. But I was in a Bible study from 7 to 8 uh, every morning uh, on Tuesday mornings. And when I went to prison, on the second day I was in prison, I got a note from the literacy director. And she ordered me to report to the education building, which I did. And she said, inmate Blackwell, some of the people tell me you write books. And I said, yeah, it's true. She said, well, we have trouble finding somebody to teach grammar to our GED students. Do you think you could do that? I said, you know, I've taught a lot of things, but I've never taught grammar. But, yeah, I think I could. She said, okay, be here at 730 the next day, and I'll watch you. She watched me, hired me. And so I spent my five and a half years in prison, um, my whole sentence, teaching other inmates, GED students, uh, how to pass their GED. And I also taught another course on how to get a job when you get out. So it was very rewarding of what happened uh, in prison, even though it's not what I would have chosen. Um, And I think that's the... In today's times, a lot of people are concerned about what's going to happen to the future of the country. Uh, What's going to happen with the pandemic to their job? Mm -hmm. All these sorts of things. Well, I went from things being pretty good, actually, to things being pretty bad, actually, but I didn't go alone, and that's where the title of the book comes from. You are not alone, and that's what I believe people can learn from that. How do you you survive the isolation that a lot of people are experiencing? And basically, you don't have to do it by yourself, but if you don't know about God and how he can be involved in your life, then you probably will be alone. And that's the message of the book, is you don't have to be alone. God will go with you into any kind of situations. And I don't know what's going to happen to our country. I don't know what's going to happen to our jobs and so forth. But I know I won't be going through that alone.
1: Would you say that your faith really played a strong part during that time in prison?
0: Absolutely, yes. And I got to my faith kind of different than some people do, but um, the faith you could convince me that the sun is going to rise in the east, in, in, in the west, instead of the east, easier than you can convince me there's no God. And in, in the book, I explain how statistically I came to that faith while I was a graduate student at Northwestern. Um, I, I taught in the prison for six years um, and while I was an inmate, and then after I got out, I continued to go to prisons uh, And... Uh, mostly state prisons now, but uh, up until the pandemic, because really nobody can go to prison Mm -hmm. as a visitor, uh, one of the colleges called Ashland College uh, taught a course on consumer behavior, and the professor of that asked me to go to prison with her uh, and got the arrangements so that we could happen. And so I have taught in quite a few prisons since I got out of prison, uh, and it was kind of interesting because in one of them, they were using the textbook that I had written, which is used in colleges all over the world. And the inmates were using my textbook. And it was kind of interesting to see their faces when she introduced me as the professor who wrote your textbook, who also spent six years in prison like you are. Um, and so that gave me a kind of a ministry uh, in prisons since I got out. Um, that is a little bit different um, When 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 I look at uh, different kinds of schools, I wrote textbooks that were used at Harvard Mm -hmm. and many other schools, um, but they're also used at Ashland College, in prisons, um, as well as everything in between, Um, and that's why people don't have to spend a lot of money to get an education, and that's one of the messages in the book. Most of my previous books were about how to start businesses and be successful in them. Uh, This newest book called You Are Not Alone is not exactly like that, but my Saving America book was one that I started writing in prison for a simple reason. A lot of people, I was teaching courses in prison on how to get a job when you get out. And a lot of inmates would say, "Black, well, nobody's going to give me a job. And I would say, that's because they got a felony conviction. And I'd say, well, that's probably true, so give yourself a job. And they'd say, well, how do you do that? And I, I started answering that question there, and I finally wrote a book on that. And that book is called Saving America, uh, How Garage Entrepreneurs Build Small Firms into Large Fortunes. And that's the kind of book that has advice that I think that a lot of small firms um, can use to survive today's uh, economic issues.
1: If you are just joining us, Dr. Roger Blackwell, he is on the line with us. He is an author, and he is a very renowned uh, previous college professor. So let's talk about the book a little bit more, You Are Not Alone. Now, did the purpose of this book kind of change over time during COVID?
0: It did. Um, When I started out, it was a book really about the miracle that I experienced as a child and how my faith evolved and how that influenced my value systems that made me successful. Now, during COVID, I heard a lot of people talk about how isolated they feel. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that there was a ministry to helping people who are isolated from others today be able to have some help from above. And so that evolved during COVID to be a message for people wherever they are, uh, whether they can be with their families or not. Um, And, of course, the most isolated people are those who are on a ventilator and nobody can be around them. And so I think it's a book that's encouraging to people in this COVID-type environment that we live in.
1: From my perspective, it sounds like life has really thrown you a lot of challenges and curveballs. Now, did you ever think that your life journey would include a global pandemic?
0: <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> never thought about that at all. Uh, I've survived some other things. Uh, like when I was in prison, I came in one afternoon, uh, late afternoon, and collapsed in front of one of the other inmates. Now, there were 1,400 men in the prison I was in. This is the only inmate in prison who was previously an emergency room doctor. He took my pulse. It was uh, 240 and recognized I was in serious difficulty. He carried me to the medical center, which closed at 7 p.m. This was about 10 minutes before that. And he saw the nurse leaving, locking up the building for the day, laid me on a bench and ran to get the nurse. And when... He came, when the nurse came, he saw I was close to death. He got the squad, they took me to the nearby hospital, and I survived. Now, what's the probability that you collapse near death in front of the only inmate who was formerly an emergency room physician? And I believe that God protected me in that particular situation. And when I got out, which wasn't too long afterwards, I did have to have a pacemaker because it was what's called an SPT. Uh, Those experiences happened to me several times, which proved to me that people who want God in their life also get helped by God in their life, and that's true in a pandemic, whether you're in a prison or a pandemic, uh, you don't have to be alone.
1: Absolutely. And it's no secret, too, that everyone has been affected by this pandemic in some way, especially businesses. They're still feeling these ongoing effects of COVID. And you're used to visiting businesses to give them tips on how to manage their operations and even talking to sales representatives. Now, before COVID started, what would your business seminars focus on?
0: Before, they were often focused on how do you get customers and how do you grow through things like market segmentation? functional shiftability, and these are all topics in my Saving America book. I just finished another interview with a business manufacturing firm. Their problem now is how do you get employees, because you can't have employees working from home if you're Mm -hmm. a manufacturing firm. Um, But they also, we really have a situation that's very unique. Unless you're a restaurant or certain type businesses, you're probably doing more business uh, today than ever and they can't find employees because our unemployment situation and our need to be at home to take care of children and all of these sorts of things. Well, the thing that separates some firms from others is their value system, Uh, and that's one of the things I teach today is firms on how do you create a culture that makes employees willing to work the third shift, uh, which can solve problems for the firm that needs them, but it can also solve problems for families that have child care as, as, as an issue during the daytime, so it can be somebody home. Well, there are ways, and that's basically part of my Roger's Rules, which are on the, uh, in the book, but they're also on my website, which is RogerBlackwellBusiness.com, And that's where I try to give advice to firms that want to grow, and, and firms that um, don't know how to attack it. For example, I, you know, I talk about how do you start a little firm and kill the giants? You know, that's what a guy by the name of Sam Walton from Missouri did. He just started a little firm, and you might say, well, where did he get the money to start the world's largest corporation? The answer is from saving from their weekly salary at J.C. JCPenney. Sam Walton and his wife, Helen, after age 45, started one little store in Rogers, Arkansas, with seven employees, and became the world's largest. And that's why I call it How Garage Entrepreneurs Grow Small Firms to Large Fortunes. Uh, And basically, I I show that for people who were adopted, like Dave Thomas, uh, the founder of Wendy's, and Steve Jobs and and other people. Um, And basically, I believe that the examples that are all around us, if we read... But, you know, if you don't read a lot, you should not expect to be prosperous. Um, One of the best presidents we've had, I believe, was Truman in terms of historic decisions. He made more decisions than anybody, historic decisions than since Lincoln. And he said all readers are not leaders, but all leaders are readers. Do not expect to be a leader in any area of life. Unless you read, and and reading things in magazines and papers, that's good. But books give you a conceptual model to figure out how life really works. Uh, And that's what, the last two books I've written, You Are Not Alone, and the book Saving America, just before that, um, is really about how to survive and prosper even in difficult times.
1: So would you say, that leads me to my next point, would you say that your book, You Are Not Alone, can help these small businesses and even larger companies through these challenging situations?
0: Absolutely. I think that anybody who looks at the Rogers Rule, which is kind of the conclusions of the book, will find ways to uh, make the culture result in behavior of their employees that will prosper the firm as well as the employee and and I think that the uh, a lot of people have these rules in their mind but they haven't written them down and as they say if you can't write it down you don't know it and uh, so I encourage people to write these rules now in the Saving America book and both of these are on my website but in the Saving America I tell them some specifics for example it's market segmentation you Uh, Are are retailers doing well today? Yes, Lululemon is, and uh, Tractor Supply is, and um, a a lot of others. But those are not the mass market firms. Those are firms like Tractor Supply in many rural areas, and Lululemon uh, for the yoga (laughs) generation. Um, And you don't have to be big to be successful. But if you grow your firm with principles I'll call them theories. A lot of people say, well, I, don't, I want something practical, not theoretical. There's nothing so practical as good theory. And the theories are knowable that make people prosperous, but that doesn't pe- make sure that people know them. And so that's what my books are all about, is helping them to know the things that make people prosperous. And I, I, I illustrate that with examples.
1: Dr. Roger Blackwell, he is on the phone line with us talking about his life journey and also his new book, You Are Not Alone. Now, Dr. Blackwell, if anyone does wish to purchase a copy of your book or your many other works, where can they do so?
0: Well, there used to be bookstores, but there's not many of those (laughs) left anymore. Uh, And uh, the best way is to go to either my website, which describes them in more detail, or simply go to Amazon. And if you go to my website, rogerblackwellbusiness.com, it links you to Amazon for fulfillment. So You can start with my website to see a description of the various books that I've written. And You Are Not Alone is uh, prominently displayed there. Most people, and, and you can download the book. Digitally, not everybody wants a printed copy, and they're both available at Amazon.
1: I just got my copy of You Are Not Alone. So, Dr. Blackwell, I am looking forward to reading that, along with other books that I may look into later on. So thank you so much for joining us this morning.
0: Love it to be on radio. I spent five years, as I describe in the book. That's how I paid for my own education.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Here's a news flash for you. More than 70% of fatal crashes in South Dakota happen on rural highways and local county roads. Hi, I'm Trooper Whitaker with the South Dakota Highway Patrol. It is important to wear your seatbelt whether you are headed to the farm or whether you are headed to the city. Seatbelts are one of the best ways to protect yourself while driving. Always wear a seatbelt. Don't skip the click. This message brought to you by the South Dakota Highway Patrol and Results Town Square Media. I'm Christine Manica and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. Thank you to Dr. Roger Blackwell for joining the program this morning to talk about his new book, You Are Not Alone.
0: Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio Town Square Media Sioux Falls.